I want to talk to you this morning about two trees. I want to talk to you about, I want, I want us all, something that we've talked about on several occasions, but I want us all to make sure that we remember who we are in Christ. It goes a little bit even with what Josh shared this morning. We have to know who we are in Christ so that we can go boldly to the throne of grace. Uh, being identified, you, you, you are you need to know your identity in Christ. Uh, I knew that I would get some preaching material by watching those three boys this week. Uh, one night they were out uh, playing tag and they were running around. It was almost dark and they were running around and every now and then I'd hear this scream, this bloody murder scream and it, just sounded like a little girl or a woman screaming, and that just goes right through me. I mean, I, oh, I, so, and they know that I don't like, especially little boys screaming. And so I, I went out there and I said, time out, guys, time out, gather around, come on, gather around. So they gathered around, and I said, somebody's screaming like a little girl. And I said, we are men. I said, we don't scream like little girls. I said, and I puffed up my chest, we are men. And they're all standing there looking at me. Yeah. <laughs> and I said, you see, we have a five-year-old, have an eight-year-old, and a nine-year-old. I said, now puff out your chest. So they all puff out their chest. I said, now say, we are men. They go, we are men. <laughs> I said, now that's right. Now no more screaming like little girls. You're men. I said, now go have some fun. So the rest of the night, never heard another scream like that. But praise the Lord. They found out their identity. Hallelujah. We need to know who we are in Christ. And I want us to think about uh, the two trees this morning. So in Genesis chapter 2, it says this. It says, The Lord God planted a garden eastward in Eden, and there He put the man whom He had formed. And out of the ground, the Lord God made every tree grow that is pleasant to the sight and good for food. The tree of life was also in the midst of the garden, and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So there you see where God had planted all the trees that were good for food and good for our, uh, pleasant to our sight. And those two trees specifically that he mentions, the tree of life and the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Um, in Genesis 2, uh, you go on down to verse 16, and it says this, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden you may freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. And I want to mention this morning six steps that really are in progression of how the devil attacks us and how important it is that we know who we are in Christ to come against those things. Because in uh, Genesis, the next chapter, uh, 3 and verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? 
Now, you know that Satan is a liar. Amen? He is an exaggerator. He's a conniver. He's a manipulator. He's a destroyer. And he is a distorter. And he does those things to us. But whenever we know who we are in Christ, he is no battle for us. You see, we don't have God and Satan on equal ground. You need, to, you need to know that. It's not really God and Satan. Satan is, here's God, here's Satan, here's Michael. Those are the two that are equal. But God's above everything. In fact, he created them. So when it comes to power, Satan is, he has power until you compare it to God then he has no power. And when we proclaim, as we sang this morning, the blood of Jesus, when we put that into action, when we call upon the name of Jesus, when we apply the blood, there is no power that Satan has. He cannot penetrate the power of the blood of Christ. And he is no comparison to God. And you need to know that because as you are in your battle, sometimes we give the devil way too much credit. And we say that, oh, the devil did this and the devil did that and the devil made me do it and that none of that is true. You yielded to something is why the only reason why he has any kind of power. The only power he has is the power that we allow him to have. And so as we plead the blood of Jesus over our lives, over ourselves, over our beings. We renew our minds to the Word of God. There is no power that can stand against us because of Christ in us, the hope of glory. Do you understand where I'm coming from? Hallelujah. So my first point here in what has been said here, Genesis 3.1, the serpent is more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God has made. And he said to the woman, has God indeed said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? Number one is this, Satan tries to get our eyes off of God's bountiful provision. Do you know God has bountifully provided for us? He doesn't just provide for us, he bountifully provides for us. God doesn't do anything in small ways. Everything he does is over and above. Hallelujah. Do you know that arborists and uh, horticulturists tell us that there are some 2,500 trees that are fruit bearing? And there's just one that God said not to eat from. That's how amazing God is. I think it would be a challenge for this entire group right here to name a hundred trees that bear fruit. Can you name a hundred trees that bear fruit? I couldn't come up probably with half of that. But here's God who has created 2,500 and there's one that he says not to eat from. And there's a reason for that one and I'll talk about that here in a little bit. But I'm just wanting you to see how the devil comes and he, instead of pointing out to 2,499, he points out the one. And that's the way the devil comes. That's the way he attacks. He will take your one thing. Do you know the thing I've been battling the most about this whole 
transition thing with me and Josh are the mistakes I've made rather than the successes we've had. And that's the battle because the devil comes to kill, to steal, and to destroy. Amen? In your life, he's going to come to you and he's going to remind you of your mistakes. He's going to remind you of your faults. He's going to remind you of your weaknesses. And you have to come against that and say, in the mighty name of Jesus, I come against that. Hallelujah. And so I've been able to do that, but that's been the battle. I come against that and I'm enjoying the transition. Praise the Lord. Josh would be speaking this morning, but he had the wedding this week. And uh, a nice wedding last night outside. And it started to rain a little bit during the service. And I looked up to heaven and I said, God, my hair is starting to get wet. Could you please stop the rain? And, <laughs> and it stopped. Praise the Lord. Great job last night. And... Uh, then in October, uh, you guys are going to be taking a couple weeks vacation. So I just think, man, you're getting this down already. You're, understand, <laughs> you're st- understanding how this thing works. <laughs> yeah, all right. Um, Satan tries to get our eyes off of God's bountiful blessings. Whenever you are dealing with some stuff, how often do you ponder the magnificence of God, the marvelousness of Him, the immenseness of who God is, and the great things that He's done. No, you think about that one little thing you're dealing with. And I do mean little. I don't care how big it is, it's little in the sight of God. Because nothing is impossible with God. So the first thing that He does, He tries to get our eyes off of the bountiful provision. Of God. Number two, he tries to get us to question God's word. Has God indeed said? He will try to get you to question God's word. Whenever you go through something and it doesn't turn out exactly like you would like for it to have, you begin to question God's word. You, you look at his word and say, well, that didn't work for me. I don't understand. Why did it work for so-and-so, but it, it didn't work for me? We'll take a pause here. Just now saw Howard and Bonnie. Glad you're here this morning. You've missed a few Sundays, and I know Bonnie, you uh, fell. Got some what some sciatic nerve stuff going on, but uh, glad to see you here this morning. May healing be upon you in Jesus' name. Yes, Amen. Hallelujah. But the devil is going to come, and he's going to cause you to question God's word. Can I just? I've always told you about the importance of God's Word. Never question God's Word. Regardless of what you're going through, never question God's Word. It is always true regardless of what you've experienced. It's always true no matter what you're going through. And just because something doesn't turn out the way that you want it to, don't base your faith on that. Always base your faith on the Word of God. Regardless, do you hear what I'm saying? Somebody needs to hear this. Regardless of what you're experiencing, you always believe the Word of God and you tell the devil what the Word of God says. Because if you don't, he's going to twist the Word and try to tell you what it says. 
don't allow him to do that. Because that's what he did here with Eve. Eve says later, the devil deceived me. And that's what he wants to do. He wants to deceive you and get you to believe something that's not true. Did he really say? And you have to have it down on the inside of you and you say, yes, devil, God did say. And when you do that, then he is no threat to you. Number three, he tempts us to change or negate the word of God. Negate means to nullify or to make ineffective. He tries to cause God's word to be ineffective. In Genesis 3, verses 2 and 3, it says this, And a woman said to the serpent, You may eat the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Did God say anything about not touching it? It's not a big deal, but at the same time, God didn't say not to touch it. He said not to eat from it. So she has changed the word a little bit. Now here's, here's what we have to remember. The word says that in the beginning, God created all the heavens and the earth, and then he created the garden, and he put the man in the garden, right? Who would the instruction have gone to about not eating from that tree? If you notice, if we went back and looked at that again, you'd notice Eve's not there. He instructed the man because Eve hadn't even been created yet. He instructed Adam not to eat from the tree. So it was Adam's responsibility to pass on to the rest of his family the word of God. Men, that's a challenge to us. We have a responsibility to pass on the word of God to our families and make sure they get it right. Because Eve, in her temptation, changed the word just a little bit. And she said, we're not only supposed to not eat from it, we're not supposed to touch it either. Always be accurate with the word of God. Here's what happens whenever we begin to change the word of God. Let's say you have two college students, they fall in love while they're in college, and one has an apartment here, and one has an apartment there, and they begin to say, and they can be believers, they can be non-believers, here's the mindset of today, let's move in together, and let's have, uh, that'll save us on our utility bills, that'll save us on our rent, and you know, we can even have more money to give to the church, and there's a reasoning that begins to take place that goes against God's word. Do you see what I'm saying? You begin to change things just a little to make it fit your situation. And we don't make our situation fit God's Word. God's Word... No, I got that wrong, didn't I? Your situation should change to fit God's Word. We don't manipulate God's Word to fit our situation. There, I got it. If we understood... Hebrews 13 and 4, you know, the marriage is honorable. 1 Corinthians 7, 2. Uh, Nevertheless, because of sexual immorality, let each man have his own wife and let each woman have her own husband. We have to stick to what the Word of God says. Number four, Satan tries to get us to doubt the Word of God and he exalts himself above God. Genesis 3 and verse 4. It says, Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die. 
He tries to get you to doubt the Word of God. Number five, and it goes right with this verse right here. Satan perverts the character of God. He perverts the character of God. I may be jumping ahead of myself here in my notes, but I want to share this with you. Um, The character of God is something so important that we have to understand and keep down on the inside of us. And God tells us His character. He's always revealing His character to us in what He does. And if God has done certain things in your life, you need to hang on to those things that He's done and recognize that that's not just an action. That's not just an act of God. That's the character of God. Go ahead and answer. We'll just... Let them know we're in on the conversation with you. Uh, The character of God is exemplified in the actions of God. You remember whenever... um, Well, I am getting ahead of myself. but let Let me see if I can find the scripture here. You remember um, whenever... Jesus and his disciples go, it says that they go to the other side of the lake. And he says to them, the very first, well, it said that the uh, disciples forgot to take bread. You remember that parable? Or not that story? The disciples forgot to take bread. And Jesus, whenever they get to the other side, he is met with the, by the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And Of course, they're always trying to disprove him. They're always trying to make him look bad. And it always winds up uh, backfiring on them. So as soon as they get there, he sees these Sadducees and the Pharisees. And he says, do not let the leaven of the Pharisees and the Sadducees to affect you. And they reasoned. See, God is always, he's always wanting to get us to think spiritually minded. He wants us to be spiritually minded. But the disciples are so carnally minded he says he says don't let the leaven and so their mind immediately goes to bread and they said oh he's saying that because we forgot to bring the bread they're feeling guilty that they forgot to bring bread and Jesus perceived what they were saying and he said guys I'm not talking about that don't feel guilty about not bringing bread do you remember this 5,000 that I fed with five loaves. He didn't even mention the two fish. He just said, why is that? Because they're thinking bread. So Jesus answers them about bread. Don't you remember the 5,000 that I fed with five loaves? And how about the 4,000 that I fed with seven loaves? Now, wouldn't you think that 12 disciples would know that God was very capable that Jesus Christ is very capable of feeding them 12 whenever he's fed 9,000 with what five and seven with 12 loaves of bread so he's trying to get them to think spiritually now here's my point whenever he fed the 5,000 the disciples were part of that when he fed the 4,000 
he was showing a portion of his character. He was showing them that I am a God of provision. I am a God of abundance. I am a God who nothing is impossible for me. And once you see an action of God, that is also the character of God. What the devil tries to do is come and destroy the character of God. Did God really say? That is so important because if you don't have your mind honed in on the character of God, then when you get in between a rock and a hard place, you will begin to wane in your foundation. And whenever I get in between a rock and a hard place, what I always want to do is remind myself of who God is. How great he is. How magnificent he is. And he never changes. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He owns the cattle on a thousand hills. What do I have to worry about? He's the one who created everything seen. And he created it by things unseen. God is magnificent. And you have to hold him up there. And you have to protect his character. Because the devil's going to come and try to destroy his character. So it's you and I's job to make sure that in our hearts and in our minds, his character is the highest. I hope you grab that. Praise the Lord. Number six, Satan tries to convince us that he has something better. How many people do you know that have fought that? How many people have experienced drugs and alcohol thinking that it was something better? How many people have experienced uh, sexual immorality and they, because it's something better? Satan always tries to convince us that he has something better. In Genesis 3 and verse 5, it says this, For God knows that in the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. He's trying to offer them something better. In James 1, verses 16 and 17, it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every gift and every perfect, every good gift and every perfect gift is from above and comes down from the Father of lights. You know, boiled down, James is just saying this. Anything outside of God and His will is not good. No matter how good it appears, it's not good if it's outside of God's will. Now, I want to talk to you for a moment here about this this good and evil. He said not to take of the tree of good and evil. You realize that whenever Satan came and tempted Eve, he really tempted her with something good. There wasn't anything evil in the tree. There wasn't anything evil in the fruit. It was that revelation of evil was going to come to them if they were disobedient. So he, they were tempted with something good. How often are you tempted with something good? Just put it in a, uh, an everyday situation. Uh, you feel like you should buy this house over here. I mean, it's, it's just got everything that we want. It's built like we like it. It has the rooms we need. It has the bathrooms we need. I like the property. And you just, but you don't, you don't have an unctioning from God that that's what you should do. But you just look at it and it all looks good. So you jump into it. And the next thing you know, man, that place was not what you should have jumped into. 
there's problems with this and there's go, stuff going on with that and the neighbors are not who you need, want to be, have as neighbors. I mean, the list can go on, right? But it can look good to us, but just because it looks good to us doesn't mean that it is good. Praise the Lord. In 2 Corinthians 11, verse 3, it says, But I fear that somehow your pure and undivided devotion to Christ will be corrupted, just as Eve was deceived by the cunning ways of the serpent. You know, Satan deceived Eve with the good of the tree. I think it's interesting in Matthew chapter 16. Um, Jesus and the disciples, they're, they're at Philippi. And Jesus asked him, who, who do people say that I am? Um, but then he turns after that and he says this. He says, well, first he says, who do other people say that I am? Then he turns and he says, who do you say that I am? It's an important question. Who do you say that he is? You know, Peter hits the nail on the head. He says, you are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus, he tells him, you got it exactly right, Peter. But I want to point this out to you. That wasn't just you saying that. That was revealed to you by the Holy Spirit. And you know, just a short time later, Jesus is telling his disciples about him being taken away and that he's going to be punished, he's going to be brutally beaten, he's going to be crucified, and then he's going to raise from the dead. This is, I mean, Peter comes up to him right after having such great revelation, and Jesus commends him and says, the Lord, the Holy Spirit revealed that to you. Just shortly after that, then Peter comes to Jesus and he rebukes Jesus. And he says, no, now that's not going to happen to you. And what's Jesus say to him? He says, get behind me, Satan. Now, is he calling Peter Satan? No, he's not calling Peter Satan. He is speaking to Satan who is affecting Peter. That's good news to us. God is never going to call you Satan. But if Satan is operating in your life, God is going to speak to Satan who is operating in your life. And he will say, get behind me, Satan. You are not of the right spirit. Hallelujah. How many people have what appears to be good things? You see, Peter here, he had a good thing going, man. He, he had hit the nail on the head with the Holy Spirit. He had a good thing going. So he thought, hey, it would be good for me to correct Jesus. How many of you know that's not a good thing? <laughs> but how many people have married good, but not the best? How many people do you know that have a good job, but not the best job? How many people do you know that had a good plan, but it wasn't the best plan? There's a lot of people in those situations. You know, the thing about all of that is, is this, we have a free will. And that comes back to why did God ever put a tree in our midst to begin with? Because we're just going to be tempted by it. But without a free will, there can be no reward. There's two trees. There's always going to be two trees in your life. 
in every situation, there's always going to be two trees. Whenever you get through one trial, one tribulation, one situation, the next day there's going to be another two trees. There's going to be two trees there. There's going to be one of life and there's going to be one of good and evil. Every single time you're going to have two trees in your life every day. Every single, every day there's going to be two trees. The two trees today, I believe, the biggest ones that we have today, the tree of good and evil is secular humanism. But praise God for the tree of life, which is the tree of Calvary. We have those two trees. We have secular humanism and we have the tree of life, the tree of Calvary. But every day you're going to have two trees Every situation, you're going to have two trees. You remember the first scripture that we had read there in Genesis 2. Two trees. God says, do not eat of the tree of good and evil. But he never told them to not eat of the tree of life. Think about that. He goes to them and he says, here's two trees. Here's the tree of life. and Here's the tree of good and evil. Don't eat of this one over here. But he never said to not eat of the tree of life. If you and I, every day of our life, if we'll come to the Lord and say, Lord, today I am partaking of the tree of life. I'm partaking of the tree of Calvary. I'm going to partake of that. What do we receive whenever we eat of the tree of life? Eternal life. Because later on they said we have to move them out of the garden unless they eat of the tree of life and live forever. He didn't want them to live forever in that condemned, sinful manner. That's why he sent Jesus on the tree of Calvary, the tree of life. Hallelujah. There's two trees. He never said not to eat of the tree of life. Praise the Lord. We have two trees. We can walk in the flesh we can, or we can walk in the spirit. We can be carnally minded or we can be spiritually minded. We can walk in love or we can walk in fear. We can walk in generosity or we can walk in stinginess. We can walk in peace or we can walk in turmoil. There's always going to be two trees. We can walk in joy or we can walk in anger. We can walk in grace or we can walk in judgment. We can walk in obedience or we can walk in disobedience. There's always those choices every day. I want to ask you this morning, which tree are you partaking of? Because you're always going to have those two trees. Always going to be that choice. There's a great reward. That's why there's the choice. There's a great reward. In Genesis 15 and 1, it says, After these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision, saying, Do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. Hebrews 11:6 in the New Testament says, But without faith is it impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. He's going to reward us. That's why there's a choice. Because if you didn't have a choice, you can't be rewarded for not having a choice. There's always two trees. Next Sunday, we are going to be celebrating the transition uh, of Josh and I. 
we could call it a lot of different things, the transition, uh, the passing of the baton, uh, the buck stops there. Uh, we could call it a lot of different things. I'm looking forward to this transition. I, I think it's, it's going to be good, and I have some things I want to say to that, uh, uh, say about all of that next week, and I want all of you to be comfortable in this. This has been a, a couple of year uh, thing that I've been working on so that this can be a smooth, a really a seamless transition. And I think that we're going to be in really good hands and uh, we're going to continue to be here. We're going to be continuing to be of of great support. And um, um, I, I just want us to understand how how victorious we are in Jesus Christ and how we're going to just continue to be a blessing to this community. We're going to be, continue to be uh, everything that God wants us to be sitting here on this corner that we're sitting on. And um, I'm, I'm looking forward to next Sunday. As far as today's message goes, it's gotten kind of quiet in here, but I, <laughs> I want us to recognize that we are victorious in Christ Jesus. Are there trials? Are there tribulations? Are there situations in life? There most certainly are. But do you know, if we could take every one of those situations and realize that, man, this is another opportunity for me to cause Christ to be high and lifted up, for Him to shine, I think we'll be much more successful seeing victory over the devil because every time we have a situation come to us and we just allow Jesus to shine in that situation he is glorified and lifted up amen